Today on the Matt Wall Show, now they're coming for Abraham Lincoln. After Thomas Jefferson's name was taken off of a school in Virginia last week, now Abraham Lincoln High School in California is getting a name change. The purge of our history continues, and it began with the attack on Confederate statues. Lots of people who went along with that are now appalled by the results of really their own actions. We'll talk about that today. Also, five headlines, including news from a doctor on MSNBC that even if you get a vaccine, you still can't travel or live your normal life. And a famous evangelist um, claims that Trumpism is the greatest threat facing the church today. Trumpism is. Plus your daily cancellation and much more today on The Matt Walsh Show. Well, as we get to the end of the year, you know, I'm, I'm surveying uh, the list of uh, my, my reading goal for the year. I had a certain number of books I wanted to read. And I'm looking at that list and realizing that I didn't come anywhere close to it. I have an excuse. I moved. You know, it's been a busy year and all that. But the fact is, we're all busy and we don't have time to read all the books we want to read. And, you know, the problem is you're not gaining the knowledge you want to gain. That's why it's so great that a website like thinker.org uh, exists. Thinker is great because in our fast-paced world, it's tough to make reading a priority. And that's why at thinker.org, they summarize the key ideas from new and noteworthy nonfiction, giving you access to an entire library of great books in bite-sized form. And what they're going to do is they're, they're going to, you know, they're going to take all the insights, all the wisdom in that book, all the information, they're going to give it to you. And uh, so you're able to ingest that and learn and grow as a person and be exposed to these new ideas, even if you don't have time to read the entire book. Thinker offers a lar large variety of uh, titles across many categories from current affairs, politics, business, education, history, relationships, and uh, you'll find titles like my own book, The Unholy Trinity is there, Ben Shapiro's Right Side of History, but it doesn't stop there. They've got tons of titles, and you got to go check it out. If you want to challenge your preconceptions, expand your horizons, gain knowledge, become a better thinker, go to thinker.org. That's T-H-I-N-K-R.org to start a free trial and download the app today. Let them know you heard about them on the Matt Wall Show. That's thinker.org. All right. Uh, and as you can see, if you're watching, I have my, uh, my Leftist Tears tumbler here with my sloth tea infuser. I'm told that's what it is. Uh, you can go to Instagram and see the videos. They're, they're, they're giving me gifts. I guess they keep giving me gifts until they find one that I like. But uh, I feel like you're not trying that hard if a sloth tea infuser is your idea of something that, that I would like. Uh, although it is, you know, it's, it's, I could get used to it. I kind of like having it here as my buddy on the desk. Now, it's been frustrating enough, you know, to watch people on the right for so many years go along with the left's cultural agenda seeding ground, making compromise after compromise. Compromises that always seem to involve the left getting what it wants and us getting nothing. That's usually what the compromise is. That's not a compromise at all, by the way. That's surrender. But what, what makes the spectacle unbearable really is when those same people on the right act surprised, shocked, appalled by the results of their own cowardice. We've been seeing quite a bit of this sort of thing in recent days. First with the announcement that a school district in Virginia would be taking Thomas Jefferson's name off of their elementary school because he owns slaves. And now with the news, latest news, that San Francisco will be renaming, renaming its uh, Abraham Lincoln High School, though Abraham Lincoln, quite famously, did not own slaves. Uh, he did not own slaves, but he did commit other moral crimes that now prohibit him from having a school named after him. The Daily Mail has the report. It says, quote, the district's renaming committee decided Lincoln is not worthy of keeping his name on Abraham Lincoln High School because, quote, the majority of his policies proved to be detrimental to Native Americans. Abraham Lincoln is not seen as much of a hero at all among the American Indian nations and native peoples of the United States, as the majority of his policies proved to be detrimental to them. 
the committee, the, the committee uh, meeting notes state, under his watch, indigenous peoples had much of their land taken away from them. In 1862, the Homestead Act, where citizens could claim ownership, uh, ownership of 160 acres of land, and the Pacific Railway Act, which gave railroad companies permission to build a transcontinental railroad across the America, quote, led to the significant loss of land and natural resources, as well as the loss of lifestyle and culture for many indigenous peoples. Jeremiah, Jeremiah Jeffries, chairman of the renaming committee and a first grade teacher, told the San Francisco Chronicle, quote, Lincoln, like the presidents before him and most after, did not show through policy or rhetoric that black lives ever mattered to them outside of human capital and as casualties of wealth building. So they can't get Lincoln on the slavery issue. Instead, they get him on Native Americans. And it's true that Native Americans had a rough time of it under Lincoln. It's true that once Europeans arrived in the New World 500 years ago, a process began which would eventually lead to most Native Americans being driven from their land. A great many would die, though the majority of those would die through disease unknowingly brought here by the settlers. All of that is true. It's also true that the European and then American conquest of the New World occurred at a time in history when all lines were drawn and nations established and areas settled and claimed through conquest. This was the rule across the globe everywhere among everyone for thousands of years with no exceptions. If you wanted land, you had to take it. If you wanted to keep what you already took, you had to defend it. If you couldn't defend it, you would lose it. That was the way of the world for most of human history. And it was especially the way among Native Americans themselves who were in a constant state of war with, with, with each other, other tribes, fighting and killing and enslaving each other, stealing land, then having it stolen from them. Then the Europeans showed up and played the same game of conquest and won. Now, somehow, after thousands of years of fighting and bloodshed across the globe, the descendants of those Europeans who also happened to establish the greatest civilization the world's ever seen, are supposed to be the only ones racked with guilt, constantly apologizing and tearing down our monuments and reparation. It's ridiculous. But not according to Jeremiah Jeffries, chairman of the renaming committee. He's decided that Lincoln didn't do enough for black lives, as he put it. Of course, Lincoln did more than Jeremiah Jeffries has done or could do in a thousand lifetimes. Lincoln was a man of consequence, a history maker, world shaper, Jeremiah Jeffries, in contrast, is mediocre, vacuous. And we live in a time when lots of mediocre, vacuous people are deciding that the great men of history don't live up to their own standards. They're like morbidly obese gluttons laying on the couch, eating Cheetos, watching a bodybuilding competition, and complaining that the competitors are a little too flabby. But, and here's the point. This is not happening out of nowhere or in a vacuum. We can draw a direct, clear line from the tearing down of Confederate monuments and the renaming of streets, schools, and military installations to this attack on Abraham Lincoln or Jefferson or Washington. In fact, some of us said years ago when this began, myself included, that it would lead to this very point, that the exact logic used to posthumously condemn Robert E. Lee could just as well be applied to Lincoln or to anyone else in history. And we were told, even by conservatives, that such a slippery slope argument is a fallacy. And there's no reason why the historical purge has to go beyond Confederates. No, it'll stop right here, we were told. Well, it didn't. We were right. And we're right about this too. It's not over. It doesn't end here. It will never end. Not until every single hero of American history, of Western history, 
has been tried from the grave and condemned as a racist and a villain. None are safe. Certainly none of the white males, though I would predict that eventually, you know, they're going to get around to men like Martin Luther King Jr. for his behavior with women. Uh, Eventually they'll get around to everyone because all people who existed prior to about 10 years ago were problematic and had problematic views according to the standards of the modern left. Meanwhile, in Mongolia, they have statues to Genghis Khan and honor him as a hero. He caused the deaths of 40 million people, 40 million in the 13th century. And he wasn't using guns and bombs. There are 16 million men alive today related to Genghis Khan, largely because he was such a prolific rapist. So a mass murderer and a serial rapist And yet nobody in Mongolia thinks of tearing down a statue, nor are they terribly torn up and guilt-ridden by the actions of their hero 700 years ago. Now, you could argue that they take it too far in the other direction. Genghis Khan was, after all, one of the most evil men of history, comparable to Hitler and Pol Pot and people in that tier. But I think the Mongolians are more correct in their approach to their historical heroes than we are right now in our approach to ours. It is better to honor problematic historical figures than to honor no historical figures. At least there's a humility in recognizing the achievements of your ancestors. At least there's a gratitude in appreciating what they did to form the civilization in which you live. I would take that over having no gratitude, no appreciation, no acknowledgement. Look, it's long past time to choose a side on this. You're either with the woke mob tearing down our history or you're against them. You can't be with them on some things and against them on others. You can't say, well, I'll pick up the pitchfork and call for this statue to be torn down, but then that's going to be it. No, the woke mob must be opposed on principle in everything. Even if you would otherwise agree with them about something, even if there's a statue you also don't like, and they're saying tear it down, you should say, well, I don't like the statue either, but since you maniacs are trying to pull it down, I say keep it and build another bigger one and put it right next to that one. That is the only way to deal with these people. There is no other way to give them nothing. Nothing. Give them nothing. That's the only way. And now the very latest development, Andrew Cuomo, this is breaking news today, will be signing a bill to outlaw the sale of Confederate flags. To outlaw the sale of Confederate flags in New York which is outrageously unconstitutional, of course. I mean, it doesn't even come close to approaching the realm of constitutional. It's also pointless, as New York is not exactly known as a bastion of Confederate sympathizers. But if any mention of the Confederacy is so traumatizing to the sensitive souls walking around today that we have to take down the statues and remove the names, then sure, why not ban the flags too? To wave the flag itself is a, is a, is a hate crime, an act of violence. That's the logic. It's bad logic. It's indefensible. It's appalling. It's stupid. But it's where we are. And we have the cowardice and short-sightedness of many conservatives to thank for it. Now let's get to our five headlines. Before we get to our five headlines today, you know, a problem for a lot of guys is that uh, we can tend to be reluctant to go to the doctor. We don't feel like going. We're embarrassed to go. Um, and that's why it's so great that one of our new sponsors, 4hims.com, exists and is there for us. 4hims.com is all about men's wellness. If you need help with ED, hair loss, if you have a cold, really anything, if you're interested in mental health or COVID-19 home tests, 
whatever it is, Hims is here for you. Through Hims, you can get prescription medication that treats uh, many things, but ED, you know, this is real science, real solutions to ED. Hims makes it easy. Hims connects you to a licensed medical professional online and can prescribe FDA-approved prescription medication to treat ED. You get the same active ingredient as the expensive little pill, but without the expensive price tag. Um, and if approved, your medication is shipped directly to your door in discreet packaging, and uh, shipping is also free. So that's, it's, it's easy, you know, it's, it's discreet, and uh, it's an easy thing to fit into your life. Why live with ED when the solution can be so simple? Um, and if you have, you know, if you have a problem and there's a solution out there for it, then there's just no reason to live with the problem if you don't have to. So try Hims today by starting out with a free online visit. Go to forhims.com slash Matt for your free visit. That's forhims.com slash Matt, F-O-R-H-I-M-S dot com slash Matt. Uh, prescription products are subject to medical provider approval and require an online consultation with a medical provider who will determine if a prescription is appropriate. See website for full details and safety information. Remember, that's forhims.com slash Matt. Uh, by the way, Ben Shapiro, uh, on his show today is going to be ha- is going to have more about this uh, Lincoln situation. Also, I'll be joining uh, to to talk about it as well. So you can tune in for that. Um, and I just saw this. Now, this is not one of our headlines, but I'm, I'm just sort of tacking it on to the to the front here. Um, but I, I want you to look at this headline from the website Queerty. Uh, it says, "Let's see." It says Pete Buttigieg makes history as first out cabinet member. He was nominated as a transportation secretary for unclear reasons. I'm not sure that he has any, I don't know what expertise he has in the realm of transportation, but, uh, they were, you know, they, they wanted to give him a cabinet kind of a, you know, it's, it's a runner up sort of prize that they give. And so they said, oh, we'll make him transportation secretary. So that's, that's the headline, right? Pete Buttigieg makes history as first, uh, gay out cabinet member. Then here's another headline though, also from Queerty. And this is from not even a year ago. This is from February of 2020. It says, Trump makes Richard Grinnell first openly gay cabinet secretary in history. Again, this is the same publication within a year, first claiming that Richard Grinnell is, is, the, is the first gay cabinet uh, official. And now they're saying, I don't know, actually it's, it's Buttigieg. He's the first gay one. How do you make sense of that? It's, it's, we talk about uh, erasing history. Okay, they don't need to go back 150 years to erase history. They're going to erase history that happened like 10 months ago. And just pretend that that, yeah, 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 we're going to pretend that didn't happen. Yeah, Pete Buttigieg is the first second gay cabinet official. He's the first one to be the second one. And I would even say, and you know, this is credit to him, he's probably going to be the only second one. There will never be another second gay cabinet official. So give him credit for that. Or you could even say, I mean, he, he is the probably, right, the first openly gay cabinet official in the Department of Transportation, which is probably the most boring political milestone in history, which is itself another milestone. So why don't we just go with that? That that, that should be the headline. Pete Buttigieg lays claim to most boring uh, political milestone in history. That's an accomplishment. All right. Number one, vaccines are now being administered with Trump having made good on his promise to uh, have a vaccine available by the end of the year. Many in the media mocked Trump for saying that and have, of course, not apologized or admitted that they were wrong. Instead, they've they've moved on to explaining why, well, okay, yeah, he did get the vaccine to us, but uh, actually the vaccine's basically pointless because even after you take it, you still can't resume your normal life. Here's a doctor and pandemic consultant, quote unquote, on MSNBC explaining. Watch. 
uh, tomorrow morning, and I'm and I'm grateful for it. Um, Chuck, I just wanted to say uh, just a follow up on what Yasmin mentioned. Uh, just for your viewers out there, um, I, I know one of uh, the, the individuals who we just saw getting vaccinated is planning on traveling after the second dose. I, I, th this is a source of confusion, but no, I, I, this is one of the misperceptions here. Just because you get vaccinated with that second dose does not mean you should be participating in things like traveling in the middle of an out-of-control pandemic or that you're liberated from masks. Mm -hmm. Everything still applies until all of us get the two-dose regimen. We don't think that's going to happen until June, July. But And again, this goes back to what we just talked about, Chuck. We don't know if just getting the vaccination prevents serious illness or does it also prevent you from getting infection um, entirely, meaning you can still get infected with the virus potentially and pass it on to others. So really, really critical. Don't let your guard down just because you got vaccinated. You still might be able to get right. infected with the virus and pass on others. So please keep that in mind. Okay, so the, so according to him, the vi the vaccine is meaningless, pointless, doesn't do anything. According to him, that that's that's that appears to be what he's saying. Well, yeah, it's it's a source of confusion. Oh, the, oh, you were confused. You thought the vaccine did something? No, 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 no. no. You you still everything goes on exactly how, how it has how it has been, even after you get the vaccine. Until we all get it. Well, why is that? Is this like what I tell my kids, where you know nobody's allowed to leave the table until everybody's finished eating? Uh, th that to me is just an, a, a matter of courtesy and, and good etiquette. So is that is that what we're, do, what we're doing here? But it wouldn't it wouldn't be courteous. It'd be bad etiquette if you get a vaccine and then you start running around without a mask and you get to go on a vacation. Makes everyone feel bad, and so you shouldn't do that until everyone else can do it too. Is that what they're telling us? I would prefer that logic over what it appears that he's saying, which is that yeah, even if after you get the vaccine, there's still a chance you could get it. There's a chance. All right. Well, if if that's the logic then the lockdowns never end and masking never ends because there's always going to be a chance. Even after everybody gets the vaccine, even if every man, woman, and child in America gets a vaccine, still there's going to be a chance, right? There's always a chance. There's a chance you could get any disease that you get vaccinated for. There's always a chance. The flu, there's a chance you get a really bad case of the flu, even, if, even after you get the flu shot. So if that's all it is, if it's just, well, there's still a chance. As long as there's a chance, it means you can't resume your normal life. Okay, well, that means we will never resume our normal lives. Uh, number two, staying on COVID for another moment here. A video went viral yesterday of a man in extremely short shorts chasing and berating a woman in a store uh, because she wasn't wearing a mask. We've seen this kind of thing before, but this is more aggressive Um this is a man who is more aggressive and certainly is showing more of his leg than we've seen before and would like to see. But uh, here it is. Watch. Put your mask on. I'm sorry. You can walk away from me right now, sir. Put your mask on. Get away from Put me, Put it please. on. Does it bother anybody else that she doesn't have to wear a mask that we all do? Just go away. Stay six feet away from me then. No. Get away from me. No. Yeah. Get please get away from me right now. No. You don't need to come near me. She has it on her damn hand. Get away from me. Walk away from me, sir. Please get away from me. You don't care. Leave me alone. She put she. Stay six feet away from me, then. God, get out of here. I know who you voted for. I know who you voted for. Um, 
I, I hadn't seen the end of that video. I like that. Uh, I think we all I think we all know who that guy voted for. I, and the first thing that comes to mind for me again is just and I, I know this isn't really the headline, but does he not have anyone in his life that that loves him and cares about him and saw him leaving the house in those shorts and said, hey, whoa, <laughs> no, 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 no. And the whole get up, the, the shirt, the shirt. If you're just listening to this, by the way, if you're listening to this and you didn't see the video, um, you have an image in your head of what that guy probably looks like. That's exactly it. The image you have in your head that you've drawn in your head of that man, you're right. That is exa- it's exactly what you think. And really, that's just no man at all. I call him a man only loosely, only in a strictly biological sense, uh, assuming, you know, if, if I could, his biology. But in, in every other sense, that is no man at all. Speaking to a woman that way, first of all, wearing those shorts and that shirt, and just being a coward. This is what I talk about all the time now, this normalization of, of cowardice. Is so, someone's so afraid. Oh, you're going to get me sick. Put a mask on. You're going to get me sick. I'm scared. I'm scared of my short shorts. You should be the one covering up. I'd much rather be in a in a in a building with a hundred people without masks on than a hundred guys like that wearing those shorts. Uh, there's another so in the, there's there's a comparison being drawn here. I'm not sure if the comparison is fair, but there's another video, uh, really audio that's that's gone viral yesterday. This one of uh, Tom Cruise. And on the set of the latest Mission Impossible, I think they're on Mission Impossible 52 now, and he's berating some of the people, some of the, the workers on set, for uh, not following the COVID guidelines. And he makes his opinion known loud and clear. Here it is. Listen. You're back here in Hollywood making movies right now because of us. Because they believe in us and what we're doing. I'm on the phone with every studio at night. Insurance companies. Producers! And they're looking at us and using us to make their movies. We are creating thousands of jobs, you I don't ever want to see it again. Ever! And if you don't do it, you're fired. And I see you do it again, you're gone. And anyone on this crew does it. That's it. And you too. And you too. And you. Don't you ever do it again. That's it. No apologies. You can tell it to the people that are losing their homes because our industry is shut down. It's not going to put food on their table or pay for their college education. That's what I sleep with every night. Yeah, I'm not really, I'm not sure, I didn't, I didn't get a pulse on, on how people are reacting to that. I, I actually, I don't hate it. I don't really care one way or another, to be honest, about Tom Cruise yelling. I thought I'd play it anyway. But if I had, if I had to make a judgment call, I don't, I don't hate that. I don't, I don't hate it nearly as much as I hate the guy in the, uh, in the store. Because Tom Cruise, you know, he's basically, these are his employees. He's a producer of the film. And they have strict guidelines they have to follow. Otherwise, the movie gets shut down. Lots of people lose their jobs. And so he needs people just to do it and, and play the game so we can keep, you know, so we can keep the keep it going. Um, so that to me is different from just some random dude in short shorts at the at the grocery store chasing a woman down for not wearing. I mean, he's got no authority. 
I say the same thing about, you know, if I'm, if I'm out in public and someone, and this has happened to me, I've mentioned it before, and someone comes up to me and says, why aren't you wearing a mask? Just some random schmo walking down the street. I'm not going to pay any attention to them. Now, if I walk into a store and an employee or manager there says, we need you to wear the mask, I don't like it. I'll respect that because you have the authority to tell me that in your establishment, I can always leave. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm going to say, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to say Tom Cruise is not canceled over that one. The guy in the short shorts is. All right, let's go to number three. Lengthy New York Times article published yesterday, getting a lot of reaction. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't even read it. Um, as I feel like I didn't need to. But the headline is how the journalist Jeffrey Tubin went from respected New Yorker writer to hashtag punchline and subject of debate. The reason I didn't read it is because I, I think I know um, masturbating in front of his coworkers. That's how it happened. That's a, you know, that, that is a one-way ticket to being a punchline and a hashtag. And really, there's no, what is there to debate? That's what he did. It is interesting, though, to see, though not surprising, in the media, this attempted rehabilitation of Jeffrey Tubin. Considering all the people that these folks in the media have tried to destroy, you know, going back even to Nick Sandman, a, a kid in a, in a hat standing outside, smiling at a Native American drumming in his face. Oh, we're going to try to destroy him, but Jeffrey Tubin, let's try to rehabilitate him. Let's just remember that with, with Jeffrey Tubin, it's not as though he was in the privacy of his own home and just on his own. And then, and then someone like hacked into his webcam and got a video of this and then posted it or something. If that happened, then I would say he's a victim here. That's not what happened. He was on, he was in his, a meeting. He was in a meeting with his coworkers and decided to drop his pants and get to work. It's entirely different. You do something like that, yeah, you deserve to be fired. And of course, you're going to be a punchline. How else are we supposed to respond to that? And I, it still has not become entirely clear to me because I, I, the people defending Jeffrey Tubin, I don't think any of them have defended Louis C.K. They, they, these guys, to me, did basically the same thing. So I'm not sure I see the difference. Other than Louis C.K., I guess, got consent before he did it. So arguably, he's not as bad as Jeffrey Tubin. All right, let's go to uh, number four here. I regret to inform you, they are dancing again. They're back at it. The nurses are dancing again on TikTok. Here's the latest video. This is from yesterday. I think it's a hospital in New York. The, oh, no, it's Boston. It says right there. Okay, hospital in Boston, Boston Medical Center. And uh, they're doing a little chor- choreographed dance routine. Let's, uh, let's watch that. Okay, we can see that they've, they've got, okay, now this is the real choreographed move here. Look at this guy in the blue suit. Very blue suit. He's really into it. Guys in the background, not so much. The reason why they're dancing is that they're celebrating the vaccine. And so they're outside dancing. This really does remind me of what I've read about, um, like with the Black Plague in Europe. And, you know, if you, if you read, go on Wikipedia, uh, doctors used to gather in the town square and do synchronized dance routines. And there's actually a really famous photograph from the Spanish flu pandemic in 1918 of a doctor actually breakdancing in the middle of a hospital ward. Um, another guy is doing the Macarena. 
he was ahead of his time. Oh, wait, no, that none of that ever happened because usually during pandemics, especially if we're being told the, doc, the, the hospitals are overflowing and the staff is overworked and everything, uh, they're not going to take time to choreograph. That's what gets me. It's the choreographing. The whole thing gets me. But if this was just a spontaneous spur of the moment dancing, that would also be concerning. But they had to take some time to choreograph that and to practice the dance moves. All right, number five, I've been wanting to mention this for a few days. Beth Moore, well-known Christian evangelist, um, had this to say a few days ago. This was on Twitter. It got a lot of reaction. She says, I don't believe these are days for mincing words. I'm 63 and a half years old, and I have never seen anything in these United States of America I found more astonishingly seductive and dangerous to the saints of God than Trumpism. This Christian nationalism is not of God. Move back from it. Fellow leaders, we will be held responsible for remaining passive in this day of seduction to save our own skin while the saints we've been entrusted to serve are being seduced, manipulated, used, and stirred up into a lather of zeal, devoid of the Holy Spirit for political gain. And God help us, we don't turn from Trumpism to Bidenism. We do not worship flesh and blood. We do not place our faith in mortals. We are the church of the living God. We can't sanctify idolatry by labeling a leader our Cyrus. We need no Cyrus. We have a king. His name is Jesus. Um... Now, as far as I know, first of all, this broadside against Trumpism from Beth Moore, this is the, I think, the first time she's come out as explicitly and directly as this. When Trump is on his way out, now she's, now she's showing up to say, oh, this Trumpism is a real problem. Now, first of all, if you really feel that way, why don't you say it four years ago? I mean, why haven't you been saying it this whole time? Uh, so, not exactly a an example of courage there. But also, even aside from that, and I, I could be wrong, by the way. Maybe, maybe she, I, I haven't followed her work that closely. Maybe she's been saying this before. If she has, then I'll retract that part of it. But regardless, um, the idea that Trumpism, that people being too enthused about Trump is the most seductive and dangerous thing in the, in the church today in America? Are you kidding me? Have you not been paying attention to... What do you think was happening before Trump came along? It was all fine and dandy? The, ch the, the church, Christianity in America, has been in a state of collapse, spread out over decades. And Trump had nothing to do with that. Now, I agree that uh, idol worshiping of a politician is a problem. It's a problem on the left. It's a problem on the right. And I've always said that. But it is by no means even close, anywhere near the most dangerous or the, the greatest threat the church faces today. Le you want to talk about what's seductive? Leftism. That's what's seductive. Just look at the polls. Look at the surveys. Look at the surveys of all the Christians who, uh, who think that, you know, you could be a Christian and still be in favor of babies being murdered. You could be a Christian and completely reject biblical morality and the Bible's teachings on marriage and, and, uh, and family and sex and all of that. That's seductive. Okay, that has attracted more than just a segment of political conservatives. That has attracted millions of people across the board. And it has led to the, uh, to the collapse of the church in America. And yet she, she surveys all of that damage 
and sees Trump as the problem. Sees him as the problem now, at the end. Now he's the problem. Just, uh, I, I feel like I probably do her too much credit to say that this is oblivious or ignorant on her part. I think she knows better. But she's too afraid. She's too afraid to stand up. I mean, you can, you can stand up as a Christian apologist, as a Christian evangelist. You can stand up and talk about Trumpism. And you'll be applauded by most of the people who you want to applaud you. Now, you stand up and talk about sexual morality, talk about defending the family. Then that's a different story. That takes actual courage, and she doesn't have it. And so that's what we get from her. You know, when it comes to buying holiday gifts, um, I, I admit uh, it's not my specialty. That's why, I'm, as I've said before, I'm so happy that I'm married. That, that, that's the number one strategy I would suggest for buying holiday gifts is to get married. But here's another strategy, Mac Weldon. Um, thanks to Mac Weldon, it's super easy and simple to find something great to buy for, you know, especially a guy, uh, no matter which guy you're shopping for, whether it's Mack Weldon's warm knit tops, undershirts, or Sunday lounge pants, Mack Weldon has men's basics that are guaranteed to keep everyone on your list comfortable, and also they're going to they're gonna feel great, and they're going to look great. Uh, Mack Weldon has all kinds of stuff. They've got men's essentials, socks, shirts, hoodies, underwear, polos, active shorts, uh, Mack Weldon promises comfort and a consistent fit. And also, you're going to look great at the same time. Um, and there's there's technology involved in this. Wide ranges of customized fabrics that can keep up with you no matter what your day looks like, no matter what you're doing. Um, and uh, they've also got the program, Weldon Blue. Totally free, a loyalty program. Level 1 gets you free shipping for life. Once you reach Level 2, by spending $200, you get 20% off every order for the next year. And that's a benefit. So if you're using Mack Weldon, you're buying a gift, Uh, That's a benefit you get for yourself as well. So give yourself a gift. Give someone else a gift at the same time. Win the gift-giving season and get 20% off your first order. Visit MacWeldon.com slash Walsh and enter promo code Walsh. That's MacWeldon.com slash Walsh, promo code Walsh for 20% off. MacWeldon, reinventing men's basics. And on December 21st, remember, uh, this is coming up very soon, the historical docuseries Apollo 11, What We Saw, will be available exclusively at DailyWire.com. This was originally released as an audio podcast for Apple and Spotify. Lots of people listened to it at the time, and uh, it was uh, just got a, a great reception for good reason, because it was a very well-done podcast. But now it's going to be available to watch as well as listen to on the Daily Wire uh, Apple TV or Roku app or at dailywire.com. This docuseries takes a, a detailed look at the Apollo 11 mission to land a man on the moon. It's a dramatically inspiring story. Apollo 11, what we saw, fantastic series to watch with your loved ones this this, uh, holiday season. Over Christmas break, if you're looking for something to do, uh, maybe if the weather isn't so great, looking for something to do inside, then I would suggest put this on. And right now, you can get it for 20% off with code WATCH when you become an insider or above member over at dailywire.com slash subscribe. And make sure to download our Apple TV or Roku app to get all of our content on your big screen. That's dailywire.com slash subscribe. You get 20% off your membership with code watch and access all of our new and existing content. All right, let's get now to our daily cancellation. Today we're canceling Zania Jones. He's a transgender activist, self-proclaimed science writer, who recently presented the argument for potentially putting all children on hormone blockers. Now, just for a little context and background here, Jones runs a YouTube account. Uh, I'll give you a little taste of that, just just so you you understand who this is coming from. 
This is Jones and some other person a couple years ago reacting to a Tucker Carlson segment, which itself, the segment was reacting to Jones's statement that straight men are transphobic for not wanting to date trans women. And this is what Zania Jones had to say about that. Listen. I feel like this is just his way of saying, oh, you expected people to just re-examine some belief that they hold about a marginalized group. Oh, you, you just, you just all want to f*** us then. Is it? No. The entire reason I brought this up was because there are so many straight guys who are into us. There are a ton of people who would be into us, but they have hang-ups about it because they think, oh, trans women aren't women, which is false because trans women are women, uh, obviously. If they could get past that, then maybe they'd realize that they could have a really good time with us. I am trying to help them here. People who like trans women or might like trans women but have issues with it because of everything that society says about uh, Okay, you, you, yeah, there you go. I don't, I don't think we need to watch more of that. Uh, just, just very quickly, no, there are no straight men who are into you or could be by definition. I mean, by definition, if you're a straight man, you are attracted to biological females. If you're attracted to anything but biological females and you're a man, you're not a straight man, by definition. So there you go. There's Jones. Um, ha, Jones has declared that that children. Now, now this is this is this is the new thing. Jones has declared that children should not be forced to undergo quote the permanent and irreversible changes that come with their own puberty without first quote a professional evaluation, suggesting that a child's natural process of growth and maturity somehow constitutes a human rights violation. Jones says that. Uh, the argument that children cannot give appropriate consent for hormone blockers necessarily leads to the conclusion that we should be, quote, putting every single cis and trans person on puberty blockers until they are able to offer, quote, informed consent to go through puberty. Jones presents puberty as a choice and one that every child should have the right to accept or decline. And in order to bring about this utopia, apparently children should all be drugged by default. Now, this is quite insane, of course. It's hard to know where to begin in explaining why it's insane. But one crucial point to make is that puberty is just one stage in and facet of human development. If, if, if puberty violates consent, then my bones violated my consent by making me six feet tall. Actually, six foot one. At least that's what I say. Certainly, my metabolism has committed a, an unspeakable crime against me by slowing down without asking first and ensuring that I can no longer eat at Cinnabon without the evidence showing up around my midsection. In fact, even as I, as I say these words, my heart is pumping blood without asking permission. My liver has taken it upon itself to filter blood regardless of my personal preferences. I must also note with special disappointment that uh, my body has never sprouted wings so that I can fly in spite of my repeated demands to that end. See, I exist here in this body, on this planet, in this reality, as this person, and almost everything about my body, this planet, and this reality exists, exists independent of how I feel about it. Our consent cannot be violated by nature because nature is outside the realm of consent. Looters who destroy your store have committed a crime against you, but a hurricane that destroys your store has not. 
You, just like you are not oppressed or victimized by a natural process occurring in or to your body, even ones you don't like, even death itself, because this is all a part of being a human person. And to say that you, a human person, are a victim of being a human person is incoherent. Now, on the other hand, you can be a victim of and have your consent violated by artificial substances intentionally introduced into your body in order to halt your natural growth. If these drugs are given to you as a child when your brain has not yet developed to the point where it's able to properly evaluate all the options and make a truly informed choice, then you are a victim. Something is being done to you artificially by another conscious agent, and you did not really choose it because you are not able to make those sorts of choices. And this is science we're talking about. The prefrontal cortex, the region of your brain heavily involved in decision-making, discernment, evaluating choices, and so on, is not completely online until the age of 25. At the age of 9 or 10 or 12, it's not even close to fully operational. That's why children cannot be entrusted to make any life-altering decisions for themselves at all. This is also the whole reason why we say it's rape for adults to have sex with children, no matter what the children say. The child cannot choose a sexual relationship with an adult because they cannot know what it entails, what the consequences will be, what it all means. This very same logic clearly means that pubescent children do not take drugs. They are given drugs. If an adult having sex with a child is not having sex with him but raping him, then an adult giving hormone pills to a child is not medicating him but poisoning him. But the one thing I will say, for the demented and evil idea presented by Zania Jones, I'll say that it's entirely consistent with every other demented and evil item on the radical LGBT agenda. In fact, it's the logical conclusion of those things. If sex is assigned at birth by unspecified nefarious forces, then puberty is part of that unfair assignment. If we must break free from this assigning process by letting children choose their gender, then they should be able to choose when and if they undergo puberty. Zinea's point is inescapably, inescapably correct if you accept the underlying trans narrative. Many people in our culture do accept it or pretend to accept it because they're too scared to be honest about what they really think. And that means that compulsory hormone pills for all children is not as far-fetched as it sounds. We are marching on our way to that destination as we speak. But preemptively, in the meantime, uh, this person is absolutely, incontrovertibly canceled. And we'll leave it there for today. Thanks for watching. Have a great day. Godspeed. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to help spread the word, please give us a five-star review. Also, tell your friends to subscribe as well. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. We're there. Also, be sure to check out the other Daily Wire podcasts, including the Ben Shapiro Show, the Michael Knowles Show, and the Andrew Clavin Show. Thanks for listening. The Matt Wall Show is produced by Sean Hampton, executive producer Jeremy Boring. Our supervising producers are Mathis Glover and Robert Sterling. Our technical director is Austin Stevens. Production manager, Pavel Vodowski. The show is edited by Danny D'Amico. Our audio is mixed by Mike Coromina. Hair and makeup is done by Nika Geneva. And production assistant, McKenna Waters. The Matt Wall Show is a Daily Wire production, copyright Daily Wire 2020. Hey everyone, I'm Andrew Claven, host of The Andrew Claven Show. Kaylee McEnany, the species girl. I call her that because she's a hot blonde who rips men's spines out with her tongue. 
She tore the news media apart yesterday, and for some reason, they didn't like it. I thought it was great. Take a look on The Andrew Clavin Show.